all have dreams, big and small, that create a life in our minds different than our reality. All the while, we watch others seemingly make it happen. I'm Rachel Denson, a farm girl turned mortgage guru, moonlighting as your self-help cheerleader. Together, we'll pull back the curtain with intentional conversations and discover how you get there. Before we start the episode to celebrate Chad's birthday and an interview with Chad, I wanted to give you all a quick update on my snooze waking up early pursuit. So it's interesting to hear the progress because you all are hearing me talk about this week after week, but really these conversations have even been more spread out that started in early November. But I have recently made a huge milestone in progress for my pursuit. And along with that, have a super exciting side note that I mentioned on the episode with Macy, episode three, that I had joined a happiness project officially through Gretchen Rubin and her happiness. She's facilitating this year-long happiness project, group project. And so I got to join my first coaching call for the January Know Yourself Self-Knowledge Challenge Month recap last week. So the end of January, today is January 30th, as I'm recording this, if you like to have context. And I am so proud of myself because I find myself usually being the one in a group Facebook group or group message that I overanalyze when I should speak up. Maybe it's because like we have talked and joked that i don't have any problems speaking up that I don't want to be too much or, you know, whatever. And I thought to myself, because my word of the year is Rachel, you know, and Rachel speaks up. Rachel asks questions. Rachel is all in, unashamedly all in. And also on the note that I, like I mentioned to Macy, this is the, the one thing I'm doing this year to really focus on education. Everything else, I'm just trying to execute knowledge I've already gained and listen to Rachel about what is next. So because I wanted to just really be able to focus on what I'm already working on in myself, in my world, in my business, and how you get there, all things. So I'm on this coaching call and people are chatting. I'm like, okay, I'm going to start chatting. I shared my word of the year, which, you know, I was like apprehensive about because I thought, are people going to think like, why did this girl pick her name for her word of the year? And you know, it's a long explanation to like type out. So I didn't even provide context. I thought these should be my people. And I feel like people who get it will get it. And I was met with affirmation that, you know, I needed and I enjoyed and I loved. And then I thought other people were asking questions, hopping in the chat. There was like a couple thought, you know what? I'm going to do it. I so desperately want to figure out this whole waking up earlier snooze thing because the main question that was a part of the January self-knowledge for the happiness project was 
if you could do one thing this year and what matters most to you about all on your resolutions, your 24 for 24, like what would it be? And immediately, like did not have to think about it. The one thing I said was my wake up time being easier and more consistent and earlier because I know that if I can get the rock rolling up, I'll be at the top. Like if I could do that, my rock would be at the metaphorical top of the mountain. And from there, it just takes one little nudge for like everything else to snowball down. Because if I wake up earlier, I have more time for my videos. I have more time for how you get there. I have more time for exercise. You know, all these things that end up being the fat I trim when I'm immediately waking up reactive instead of proactive and getting to have some self-introspectance, not, not rush through things. It was no brainer. That's what I wanted most. So I thought if I want this most, and I really mean that I want this most, and I'm being true to Rachel, Rachel asked questions and Rachel's going to know shame really want this. So I typed in the chat, y'all, I got to talk to Gretchen Rubin. They were like, Rachel, please answer or ask your question. I was like, okay. So I ask her and we kind of have this whole, like everybody in the chat's giving me ideas. We're having this whole group think about how do I get past this? And the reality is, is even though awake Rachel is an upholder who doesn't need a lot of external accountability, asleep Rachel needs to be reminded who she is and what she wants. And as much as I wish it could be willpower to just say, nope, I'm not a snoozer. I'm abstaining from snooze. Like I said to Michaela in this latest episode, that's not the reality in this exact situation for me. So I think goes to two, there's always exceptions to the rule. I also, but before, before I tell you my tangible action plan for anybody else to try, if they're also having this problem, I also just in, you know, true me fashion, I was like, before I start Gretchen, You've changed my life. Like you've mean so much to me. Like I finally, for what I have wanted to say to her for years, finally got to say, and it was so cool. And she was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, whatever. But I just thought I cannot believe I almost was not brave enough to have a moment that I have been longing to have for somebody who's made such a positive impact on me. For years, I almost passed it up because I thought, oh, I don't want to be that girl that asked the, that's the second question. Like, so if there's one thing I need anybody out there that's listening to this to hear of like, ask your question, be that girl, be that guy, be that person that you're not future self is going to say, okay, no regrets. I was brave enough. I had the courage. And you know, that doesn't mean it's easy. Having courage day after day. It is hard. It is hard. And not everything is as simple as this. And I acknowledge that. But I just wanted to share that huge win with y'all. And it's so exciting. Now, on to the tangible plan that I am seeing success on since I started this. I guess I got everything set up on Saturday. So like I'm only three days in. This is hot off the press, but I'm very pleased with my progress. And I do even have some plans to tweak it. So I have an Amazon Alexa in my bathroom and our, off our bedroom. So I have that. I have my second 
uh, tool is I have a circadian light alarm clock. So, and I've had this for a while, put it up, hadn't been using it and, you know, brought it back out. So what it does is you set it for you, it has an alarm, but then the light lights up 30 minutes before the alarm. And it's like a soft light that's supposed to like imitate sunlight. And then I also have obviously my phone with my alarms. So at 5 a.m., Alexa goes off with her first alarm. And I, so that means I have to be awake enough to say, Alexa, stop. And so that at least is making me like wake up enough to use my senses. Well, at the same time, there's circadian light comes on. So there's at least some light in my bedroom because like this time of year, I'm, we're all living in the same world. It is really dark in the morning. And that is one of the hardest things for me is just how dark it still feels like it could be 2 a.m. It's so dark. So that helps. And that does not bother me personally. So I have like, it's only helping. So when I see that it is actually a positive trigger of like, okay, it really is 5 a.m. Cause like I will sometimes wake up and think, what time is it? And I don't even want to look because, you know, I'm that person where right now, if it's 445, I don't have the, the willpower to be like, well, I should just get up, which probably is the better call in reality. Cause I don't know about you, but like, if I go back to sleep, it's over. So it goes up, it turns on and I think, okay, I know what time it is. I know I need to be getting my mind right. Like, and I even take my, I sleep in a sleep mask. So I take my sleep mask off and I make myself face that way. So the light starts hitting my face. And then at 530, it goes off. And at 530, my first wake up alarm on my phone goes off. So at 530, I have to physically get out of my bed and turn off the sound on the circadian alarm clock because it's on a dresser away from my bed. So I have to physically get up, turn off the sound, but I leave the light on. And at that point, what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to flip my switch for more light to come on in my bedroom at that point in time. And then I lay back down and I snooze and I lay there. And then at 540, a second alarm on my phone goes off. So by the time both of those have, I've snoozed both of those. Then if I need anything, I'll say, Alexa, set a two minute timer. And I only give myself like that little of time because sometimes my snooze is like a nine minute snooze. And then, you know, if you do two, two more of those, you're 20 minutes in. And then I, then I'm down really a rabbit hole. That is a lot, but that is what I'm going to need to train my body, but it is working. I've been up and out of bed by six all the days. And then on the good days that I get up at five 30 to turn off my alarm, I have been going ahead and going to like one day I went ahead and started my coffee pot. So I knew my coffee was going to be made. And then the other day I also went ahead and like let out my dog. So I put on my house coat, let my dog out. And then I knew I, okay. I was like, okay, I still have time to go lay back down, but at least I'm laying down in my house coat on top of the covers. And then when I like officially wake up, I don't have to wake up so reactive. I am just waking up 
to like scuttle over to make a pot of coffee, splash cold water on my face. Like I'm not having to immediately run outside because at that point, you know, my dog is like really antsy to go out. If I let her out at 5.30, when I like really get up at 5.50, then, or six o'clock, you know, whatever time, she's just like chill. You know, she's not immediately needing me. And that makes really being awake a more enjoyable experience. So I hope you have enjoyed and find some help in this practical advice. I will continue to keep you updated on this pursuit this year, but I could not wait to share my news. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Hello. It's purple. It's working. I'm glad it's working this time. So not going to bury the lead here. This is the second recording of Chad's episode on how you get there. The first recording was a beautiful 55-minute silent film because I had plugged the microphone in, and this was the first time I had recorded with somebody in person. It was green. It's got a green light on it. Here, I'll show the YouTube listeners. Green light. But it also has this handy dandy on and off switch. And I thought because the green light was on and because I was recording by myself, that platform I use to record when the person is talking, there's this purple outline in the box. About 30 minutes in, I noticed there was no purple. And I was like, oh, Chad, I, I think I, I think I've messed up. And he was like, no, I think you're fine. Like, we're going to go the, yeah, we, to the end. We're already this far. We're going to go all the way to the end. We're going to see how it goes. And then, but we saw the green light. So I was like, okay, surely it's fine. It just does it different when you're not with somebody. And then it wasn't until the very end that I glanced down and I saw that the microphone was in the off position. And it was like nine o'clock on a Saturday night and I could have cried. I didn't. No, you didn't cry. You thought about it. I really wanted to, but I was just trying to remember like, this is part of it. I'm going to have to learn and I'm going to have to fail. And I, then I just kept saying, okay, well, at least I didn't take an hour of somebody else's time and have to admit to somebody, not my husband. And, and for this podcast, it was like, you know what? Well, now we know how to get there in person to actually get something recorded. How about that? I love that. Thank Shameless you, Chad. Plug. Yes. Shameless plug. That he's, he's always giving me a shameless plug. But you know what? Just like through having this in my mind for two years, three years, however long, I have thought a lot recently. And I don't even think I've said this live explicitly. I've kind of hinted around it. But I am as such in a, we've talked about it. I'm in a much better place and then have seen so much growth in the last three years that I know how you get there is going to be more of what I envisioned it because of the weight that there is so much divinity and trust. Um, especially if you're a person of faith to know that the timing is out of our hands and the Lord's timing is better than ours because there is so, there's so much growth I've done that I'm not having to work through trying to also be in a public platform. But now that I'm through it, I can speak to it. And I think I'm stronger that whatever I'm now working through now, 
I think I have more wisdom to even navigate, not to say that because I don't have it all figured out sitting here today, but just some of the bigger stuff that I have changed in my life. And it's, it's meant to be And really on a micro level, it speaks to this conversation because we first recorded, I have some notes, but because it's you and I know you don't like notes, we're going to go pretty off script today, but also because this recording is going live on February 5th. Do you know what February 5th is? I do. That's when I was brought into this world. Some people love it. Some people are probably like, oh man, that day should have never existed. <laughs> Chad, you're going to be 35. I know. So 35. now we're sitting here, we're re-recording and we're going to celebrate Chad turning 35 with a how you get there, Chad Denson 35 year special. You really caught me off guard. I guess I'm going to go from the hip on this one. We'll see. And back to the first recording, uh, we talked about it. Both of us also have grown with me doing this. You showed up in a way I think you thought you, I wanted you to, like very professional and reserved. And that is not like I don't need Hudson Chad. I need my Chad <laughs> and I want you to be my Chad. So with that note, friends, loved ones, people who don't know us from Adam, who are listening to this explicit, <laughs> explicit. it's going to be rated R. Sorry. I'm hoping more towards PG 13. We're going to meet in the middle here. We'll meet in the middle. I won't get too bad. Chad is a Marine. And with the Marine comes a sailor's mouth. So there's a reason that's a saying. So just caution, beware, maybe listen with only adult ears. If um, swearing is not for you, I can't make any promises. This may, may be one you just may need to skip. I hope that it won't be too bad. But also, you know what? I, I married Chad this way. I love him for exactly who he is. I do think that we can talk differently on live and I still get our point across. I got but some for, I got some for, for those that are listening to this today, you can take an over under bet right now and we'll pre show that before this airs. And if you can guess whether I go over 10 cuss words or under 10 cuss words, I'll get you a gift. Not going to say what it is, but I will get a gift for whoever can guess that. And we'll see how many I have today. Whoever knows me personally will probably say over 10. Whoever doesn't know me will say under 10, but we'll see how well this goes. And I'll just be fully transparent throughout the whole time. How about that? I still would really like you to actively try to I'm not, keep them to I a minimum. Will, Thank you. To a minimum. It's not a game, <laughs> but I'm just saying, take a guess. We'll see. You want me, I'm going to give it. I know, but we'll we see. can. you can be you. Just right. a little censored. Just That's a right. smidge, please. Okay. We talked about this a lot. I... I'm now 28. You were 28 when we met. And I vividly remember, and you do too, because this was one that we've, this is not going to be a surprise question because we talked about it during our silent film. But when we first started dating, you took me around to go shed hunting, which for those who don't know, deer shed their antlers every year. So you can find them. What months? Like... Uh, generally once, you know, you get into February, March, April timeframe is probably a good time to go. So we're driving the four wheeler through the woods. It's serene. We're looking for sheds. And Chad asked me, he says, what are your dreams? And I could not answer him. 
I'd been so task and goal oriented to that point in my life. I was 21. I went through middle school being excited to get to high school. So I could do this, this, and this. And then I went through high school thinking about, okay, I need to do this, this, and this so I can get my college paid for. So then when I'm in college, I don't have to work as much. So then I can go do this, this, and this. And Chad met me after all of that had started coming to a close. We met in October. I was graduating the following May. And he asked me a question. No, nobody had seriously asked me since I was probably a little girl, because I think I was somebody who came across like I always knew what I wanted because I did. And I knew how to get there. I was always getting to my goals, but I truly could not answer him. I was like, be happy, <laughs> get married. You know, I hadn't thought of anything beyond that. And Chad had, had given so much thought to what his dream was and knew even how he was going to get there. How did you even get to that dream? Did you always have that dream? When I met you at 28, when did you start milling on that? But then also you can kind of pull back the curtain a little bit about the fact that how you kind of, how you educated yourself because you were a you're a secret student. You maybe don't, I don't think come off this way, but like it's, it's maybe on firsthand. I think anybody who knows you sees it pretty quickly, but you're always reading, listening, whatever you can to absorb information to get to this big, big goal and you've taken me along with it. And I just would like, I mean, this is a space where I want us at a mutually comfortable level to tell people what we've done because it is hard. It's not easy, but it is also something to be proud of. And I think that what you have tapped into is a good way to get to where you want to any, where anybody wants to go, go that require, that's a big dream that requires time, money, energy. Yeah. So I guess to start, my journey was probably more through suffering than most, but I mean, everybody suffers, right? Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. You still do even today, right? There's things you work through. So for me, I guess, you know, my upbringing as a kid, I had a good upbringing. I had, I had a lot of things that came to me, but I had a lot of negative things too. So I had a lot of negative impact, which created, created hardship, created a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of not caring for others. So really put myself into a selfish mindset, right? Think about me, think about what I need to do. Don't care about anybody, burn bridges, instead of going under a wall or around a wall, go through the wall, like kind of, kind of self-destructive in a way, really. I mean, very self-destructive. So even transitioning in the military, I think I still carried a lot of that with me because I had never faced it, right? I never faced the things that I had in my childhood or facing the things like through high school, kind of somewhat going into college and then getting into the military where it's different. You got more camaraderie, you got people, but still carrying myself in that manner, which ultimately is not healthy. Right. So transitioning out of the military and finally realizing like not having things. Right. So looking at it from a perspective of, okay, now I really am on my own. I probably really do need people in my corner. I'm going to go hit bars. I'm going to go still be destructive. I'm still going to do all these things and have this vision of like, things are going to get improved when I'm not willing to improve them. 
And so I think I carried that out till I was 27, roughly 27. It finally hit a wall of saying like, there's more to life, right? There's more things that I could be doing that are more productive or self create some sort of self-improvement. And so like having younger siblings, half siblings, looking at them kind of going down their journeys, they weren't very similar to mine, but seeing the similarities of that now that I'm older at 35 kind of gives me that reflection of, I think through 18 to 26, some people probably mature a lot faster than me. I'm still kind of immature. I like to joke. I like to have fun. I like to be lively. You uh, know, there are statistics about that and brains don't fully form until we're 25. Well, I'll take that. I'll no, take because, that. but it makes a lot of sense. And that's why like they especially say like youth consumption of like alcohol and substances and like how people make really like young and dumb. It actually comes from like science of like our brains are not fully developed until 25. Right. And so. I guess to give you some grace. Yeah. So a little grace. Right. But I think ultimately I started seeing like, I started being like, okay, what do I really want out of my life? And I don't think I ever really asked myself that it was just day to day. It's like, okay, what am I going to do today? I'm kind of bored. This is 27. This is 27 for me. Not that far. Not that far out of spectrum. You know, I got to be different. So I'm saying like, yeah, I thought you had this big dream for a long time. Really sitting here. I did. I did have the dream. But I think I had the realization of if I really wanted the dream, I think there's a difference. I think a lot of people have dreams, but I think it's whether you really want the dream. I started this and I said that I heard while I was on a Peloton run, you can feel it when a dream turns into a pursuit. And I think that's a very powerful statement because you're right. Without doing anything, a dream is just a dream. But when you start doing things that align with that dream, you feel this shift, this unspeakable energy that it's like, it is a now a pursuit. And I, oh, I just love that. Yeah. And I think, I think the pursuit's real. So like for me, you know, it was finally like a want, like, do I want to actually achieve my dream? Do I really want to improve myself? Cause I think even though I had a dream and I thought I was living that dream, I, w I didn't want it. Right. I didn't truly want it. I was just like, Hey, you know what my want was? Let's go to the bar. Let's go wreak havoc. Let's go do some of these things. And, and my dream will be there. Shoot. Everybody wants this. You know, it's going to happen. That's, that's how everybody gets there. Right. That's how everybody does this. So I think at 27, I realized, okay, there's a lot of things that I need to improve. I need to improve my communication. I need to improve uh, self-awareness. I need to improve reflecting. I need to improve how I position myself with others, right? Like, what do I bring to the table? Because ultimately, that's what people value, right? They, they find somebody with similarities to improve. So I'm 21. You are 27, about to be 28 because you turned 28 in February, you were still in college, a full-time boat mechanic finishing up. The goal is to finish your master's in the, like in three semesters. Right. So I had three semesters. Right. But right. You are not doing anything related to, to ag. Right. You're a full-time boat but that's, mechanic. But that's, yeah, I was doing full-time boat mechanic and putting myself through school and trying to get somewhere. And I think a lot of it, well, it came to the connections I had. So I started outreach and started trying to align with people who were successful. Like I realized I need to get involved if that, something's actually going to go somewhere because I wasn't involved. 
I was just like, ah, it is what it is. I'm just going to burn the world down. And then I'm like, oh man, I probably need people on my side or in my court in order to get to where I'm trying to go or fulfill my vision. There's no right or wrong way to do something, but there are maybe multiple better ways because we're prime example of like total opposite paths through college. But I think it's really shaped us of what we, you know, hopefully will be parents one day to instill of like, you can be like Chad and go to, go to class and go home because you're working 40 hours a week to put yourself through college and support yourself. Or you can work hard to create a way for somebody else to pay for your education through grants and scholarships, etc. And then if you have all this free time, because you don't, like you have a very minimal margin of what you've got to work to live, then you do not need to squander it. And you need to try to be involved in everything and enrich your education, not just get a degree like I did. But, and I think kudos to anybody who can do both. I don't, I mean, there's only 24 hours in the day. So I just think like we're, we went through and had two totally different educations, but also respect how both of us, had to approach it different ways, but it just goes to show that, you know, there are just multiple ways that something can shape you. Right. Or, or trade school, for example. Yeah, so I would have, yeah, just in general. So like I would have, I debated on going back to trade school and picking a trade. And I was like, well, I've got the GI bill. What makes the most sense? Like, and I think I had that realization of that dream when I first went back to college was like, okay, in order to get to my dream, I probably need to have a better education rather than getting into trade school. Right. I mean, not saying that, uh, that's not the path. I think honestly today, that's going to be a very desirable path for many, a very successful path, but for some of the goals and, and those goals have changed, the goals always change. I think it was primarily, well, to just be honest, I think everybody's looking for motivation. Right. So everybody's looking for motivation. I think I was looking for motivation all those years. And then I realized it's more than motivation. It's discipline. Like you have to actually live it, do it, breathe it consistently in order to get there. And I think I struggle with that. I just constantly look for something as like a motivational factor or something to kind of pick me up. But, you know, trans transitioning out of my degree, I landed my first job in a sales role. But that didn't come easy to you. No, it didn't. Because you had graduated in what? It was almost like six months. Yeah, six months. Yeah, I mean, it was quick. Being a boat mechanic. Yeah, it was quick. I because I went. I mean, I ended up doing my bachelor's and master's in four years. But all I guess I'm saying is, I remember supporting you through that, and you were frustrated. I mean, because you felt like you had tried to work on getting good connections and had done all these things, but the right opportunity wasn't presenting itself. And after you did, you worked your tail off to get your bachelor master's in four years because you were doing like summer semesters and all that stuff, but you were not happy. No, You were still, there was, there was anger there. Cause it was like, I have done all these things. I finally, and I think too, like you said, it was like, you had finally really started kind of getting your head on straight and had like crystallized what you were wanting and everything. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be like, okay, I figured all this stuff out. Now it's just going to land in my lap. Like you still had to work as a full-time boat mechanic for longer than you wanted after you had a, you were a person with a mastorial education 
and we're still turning wrenches and we were not excited. Yeah. And I, I wasn't. And I think that was the realization part of it's not even just the connections. It was the perception of what I'd done my entire time. Like the people that did know me like that guy's crazy. That guy's different. That guy's wild. Not the fact that I didn't have work ethic, that I didn't try hard, that I didn't do the right things, but I wasn't promoting myself in a proper manner. And so it was kind of that awareness, right? That awareness of, okay, I've really got to change what I think is real and what needs to be real. And so a lot of it was like self-awareness and diving into myself and addressing those prior issues. And I think that was the biggest thing that some people don't realize you act certain ways because of things you've been through, right? Trauma in your life, suffering, all the things that put you down. And so it creates this negativity that you don't necessarily need to carry with you to others, right? There's a lot of other things that you should be doing to help people and grow people and, and change. I think that's where I started finding myself was like, there's a lot I can provide. There's not a lot that I need from others. There's a lot that I can provide that will help me get from others as well. And so it's really changing my mindset of like, okay, can I bring my best self to others? Uh, and so that's what I started trying to do. So once I, I got into a sales role, uh, selling ag equipment is like, okay, how do I help growers get there and how do I help them improve? And that, I think that really started kind of changing my direction, honestly. Can you please give me my, well I, so, so Rachel wants some credit here. So I was wanting to go into like fertilizer and seed sales. I was like destined to do it. But a lot of the people that I'd known, a lot of people that I was familiar with, I saw success in, right? So it's like, hey, they're getting their dreams. Like they're getting where they want to be. They're successful. This is a great route. This is a great opportunity. How can I fit in here? Like, I think I've got great attributes to bring. And as time went on, I realized that maybe there's a different path to go. I did. I did. Cause I entertained it. I entertained it. Uh, I'm not going to give you all of it. I saw I get to it. So I get, I get an opportunity to go work in equipment sales and I wasn't, I wasn't excited about it. I wasn't because I, but I still hold on, hold on, hold on. But before that, when I did have that opportunity, I still was not excited. I still was not excited about it because it, I thought that there was only one way to go. So again, my self-sabotaging self back to like all those things about like, it has to be the way that I want it to be and not putting faith in something that's an opportunity. Really, I struggled with that. And I feel like everybody does. I feel like everybody does. And I think the biggest reason why people don't get where they want to go is they're not looking for those opportunities because they're like, oh, well, I'm only going to be good at this. And this is the only thing that I want. When in reality, that other opportunity could present something so much bigger. But I also think that you are undeniably good at something that you were correlating with this old you that like, and I say this with love and like pride, like you are a gearhead, like you're all, like you can figure stuff out. You're working on stuff like the your your brain works like a mechanic engineer's brain. So let's, so let's talk about that though. But so so that, when I first went to Donley's, I hadn't wrenched on anything. So that was a self-realization for me. So like I grew up doing it. I grew up working on things. I grew up fixing things, but I'll never forget. And I'll plug it. Donley's Marine. When I first went there and was working, I had some setbacks there. Like I was making some mistakes because I just didn't care. I was just like, Oh, I'm here. It's a job. It's an opportunity. I didn't put my best foot forward, you know? And, and one thing that Bill said to me, and this like ignites me and I've kind of figured out how to feel myself. He was like, you're like putting a, 
a square peg in a round hole. And I was like, dude, what? And he said that to me that day. And after that, I started listening to what he was telling me because I wasn't doing it at first. Right. I was always just still again, I was forcing stuff. Like you said, yeah, I was just forcing. I just going through the wall. I'm going through the wall. So I was like, I don't need to listen to this guy. I'm just going to do what I've always done. And it wasn't working. Like I wasn't, I wasn't exceeding. I wasn't doing well. Right. But I didn't care about his opinion. I was like, this dude just called me a square peg in a round hole. Okay. I'll shoot a square peg in a round hole. So then I created this like uh, fallacy in my head that everybody's like out to get me and like motivating myself to, to be the best. And I feel like I, I showed that through my time and tenure uh, with Donley's and I learned a lot through that too. I learned about honesty and trust and openness and the things I never had because I never really had that. I never had a fallback. I always just relied on myself. You were bound and determined to be in seed and fertilizer. And I kept telling you, you are a gearhead. Like, why do you not want to be in large ag equipment? You would be perfect to sell this because you can actually talk the talk and you were resistant. I just think because you were so ready to shed this old skin. Well, I think so, but I think ultimately because I didn't know anybody that had success in it. And that's fine. And so, but, but that's when I'm, I'm that's right. But listen, I will. That's you were in my ear. You were, you were in my ear. There you go. You get, she, there you go. Look, she's happy now. <laughs> but I think how, how do people, how do people resonate with that? Well, I, I didn't know anybody that was successful. And so I'm like, that's not successful. Why would I want to do it? And I think a lot of people do that. They look for somebody that's successful in a field and they're like, that's the field I have to do because that's the only way I can be successful. They resonate with people where they see success and don't try to drive their own narrative and find their own path. And I feel like I didn't know that was that I was going to be where I am today. And I'm very blessed and thankful for where I am today. And I've worked very, very hard to get to where I am today. Some people don't see all the late nights and all the things I do, but I think that's the glory behind the success. And I think there's a lot of people who speak about that today openly, right? And people look at it like, oh, he has a Ferrari and a Lambo. What does that guy know? He just hit it big. No, we do not have a Ferrari and a Lambo. Just, just, to, just to aim that out there. But I will say I will never buy a Ferrari or Lambo. I have no interest in it because I don't think that measures success for me personally. That is not, not saying that's a bad thing. If that's what you want, go get it. I, that's just not my... That's not my vision personally, but I feel like people correlate that and look and say, oh, look at this person. They did this. So in order for me to even have success in my life, I have to be a influencer or I have to get into day stock trading or I have to get into all these things that you don't necessarily have to because there's so many other opportunities out there. So when it gets back on track, so you get, so you get your first job in ag equipment it is, it is at this point, you're like, I think I need to take the job. Like, you're like, it's the job I'm being offered. I need to take it. So you move. Yeah. So I moved to Missouri. Yeah. And so this is what it's almost like. I graduated in May of 2017. You graduated the following December of 2017 with your master's. I'm in Bloomington, Illinois, working a job that I was very unhappy at unhappy just in uh, all around want to be back to you get to the point where some stuff had gone down that just was uh, breaking points for me and realizing like I didn't want to be somebody who quit and gave up but I just thought like why why do I not want like who is telling me that this is the path of like the right path the glory you know the 
the, tr you know, one you're supposed to be on. And so finally I got my, cause I was in a, a lease that I couldn't get out of. And so it was like, now I really, I was trying to find jobs back in Murray near you and couldn't find a job, but I was going to, I was even to the point where I was like, I will pay, I will find a job and live with you or live with my mom. And so I can pay a rent. And where's my, where's my, what did I say? Just pack up, move. Right. You're but, done. So finally, but, but I got my apartment subleased. And so then I'm like, okay, finally can get out of this apartment lease, but I'm still not going to move back without a job. So I had made arrangements for with a dear friend that was going to give me a place to live up there. Shout out to Lisa. I was like, I'm going to stick this through until I can find my next move. And I was getting my nails done on like a Friday night and you called me and you were like, just pack up. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, I'm going to get emotional. You're like, just come home. So I was like, okay, like I needed that person in my corner to tell me like, it is okay. Just, just leave. And I'm just so grateful that you knew I needed that permission, whether you should or shouldn't. It's kind of like irrelevant, but it's like, I think that's just what's important for people in your corner that sometimes like you have to know what somebody needs to hear, even if they shouldn't ought to need it to make their call. Like that just is a part of it sometimes. So I finally moved back. I like am, this is one of the most friction points in my whole life too, because I like don't like it was my dad came to get us or to get me, you and my dad drove up and it, it, it was March. It had not been bad. It had not been bad weather in months. It was bad. And it was a total snow storm. And my dad was a champ. He got, he got this U-Haul like through, he, you. U-Haul was a mess. We and, had to drive to five different U-Haul yes, locations. It was, we drove through ice in a freaking U-Haul. It was terrible. Right. Terrible. And then you and dad, like I've never seen two people move so quick to get all my belongings out of this apartment. So we got me home the same day. So I'm home. I decided like at that point, I was like knew I wanted to be with you. I wanted to marry you. I was truly, I was very at, com uh, at a conflicting point too, to even move in with you because I that was not the way I had been raised to think that was okay. And that's a whole nother conversation. And it just was the choice we made then. But nonetheless, it's like there's so much turmoil in our lives. Like we have gone distance. We've not seen each other. You're unhappy because you're not like it's been five months. You have your master's. You're still just doing yeah. your same thing. And then finally, so I move home to get together. And then finally, you get this job in Southeast Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge part of our story, right? Exactly. Cause there's, yeah. there's turmoil and bad decisions and like just everything in general. Like distance, just right. doing what we have to do to work and get right. where we want to be. Well, I think the, I think the biggest thing too. So that was a pivoting point of kind of where I'm going down my journey or like what I'm talking about is, so I tell you to go ahead and pack your stuff. Don't worry about all the things you can't control, but like I can help, I'll help. Like whatever I got to do to help, like I can barely make it my own on my own, but I'll help you however I can. So just pack your shit. Let's go stop messing with whatever's going on. Let's just, we're going to start over fresh late. We're starting over. Everything's new. Everything's different. And so I think my journey through the equipment business, I, 
the biggest thing is I, I had success with it. And I think it was because ultimately because of the customers, one that gave me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, they gave me the opportunity. They put trust in me to help make decisions and learn and, and realize that obviously me being new into that industry, I wasn't very keen to things. I mean, I caught on very quickly and did very well, but it kind of goes back to that point of like people helped me. And so I needed to help others. And I really think that that's the key to anything is to have a, to, to put yourself around people who are going to help you and grow you because that that's my career. Right. Like, yeah. Did I work hard? Yes. I worked hard. I did. So, you know, obviously I focused on trying to build uh, company shares, right? So focused on growing volume of sales, promoting product, uh, all those things. But ultimately I never lost sight of why I was doing it. I was doing it to help somebody. I wasn't doing it to help myself. And I think that now that I'm in the role I am in today, which we'll get there, it's like I can continue to help others. And so I found this side of me that like I really take enjoyment in because now I have people that I can mentor, that I can coach, that I can build, that I can grow. And I think that's ultimately what I was looking for. Regardless of the industry I'm in, I think that's what I really thoroughly enjoy. I I enjoy coaching people. I enjoy bettering people. Uh, There's still some personal struggles there that I have with that because I don't take time for myself. So I think that's kind of further on down in the conversation. But I was just going to pipe in and say, though, like, I just don't think it can go unsaid that you didn't just you didn't expect in that expect to get the business just because you showed up a couple times like that's like just like you said like you are so grateful and as you should be that these customers were willing to give you a shot to form a relationship with them but also like it just goes you know truly back to i guess the time and true cornerstone of like don't let somebody outwork you because I mean, that is truly like, you didn't just say like, okay, I'm here for you. It was no, when somebody went down in the field, you were greased up working on it 10 o'clock at night with them. And I just think that just speaks to anybody that, especially that is in a sales driven role of you can't say, oh, I'm here to support you. Check the box. Like I've talked to you this week or whatever. It was selflessly a season of sacrifice. I mean, you're 100% in your personal life of like saying, I'm truly putting these people first and I'm putting the, by putting these people first, I am putting my family first because I am making myself have a have a a brand a book of business a like, reputation that shows who I'm am with somebody and there's like nothing replaces time and so the only way if you've not been in the business for 15 years the you got to the way you 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 can't replace that time so all you the only way you do to replace that time is to be giving of the time you have in the moment and so it's just like the reality is that does come with a season of sacrifice it does so you know i guess that was some of the things that people didn't see right like me getting home at two o'clock in the morning because somebody's broke down at 11 o'clock and like they'd be like you're the you're the salesman what are you doing out here turner wrench as well like you need to get going. Like we we're behind. We don't have time. Like you need to get riding. Like you call me, like I'm going to deliver on. And I think that I, one, I like that. I like that. But two, it also motivated me 
to keep working through things. Sorry, she's she's just really wanting to go back. Let's go. All I was going to say is, because this is where I'm helpful for our listeners that are not ag-minded, is when you're in harvest, for uh, especially for your grain crops, you only have a certain amount of time to get something out of the field. Every day, you're losing returns. Every day, the weight of the grain, the value of the grain is diminishing. And so that's what I, I think that that's important for our non-agriculture culture listeners to understand value point. I didn't know I was going to educate today. I'm always here to provide, I, I got, I'm the zoom out. You know, you're telling me how you got there. I am this, I'm captaining the ship for our listeners to, as their tour guide through this conversation. No, 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 you're right. I mean, that's where you have toxins come in. You have a lot of other things that can happen too. So if it starts raining a lot, I mean, you start getting docks, there's lots of things, but Time, time makes money. Time is money. It's just like cutting grass. Time is money. Farming's the same way. Time is money because you have all the overhead, all these people. Yep. But the biggest thing is not just taking an order and saying, well, I got my check. You bought this piece of equipment. Thank you. And just being done with it. And I, I think history of people who do that in sales makes it harder for the people who truly care. And so that really resonated with me because they're like, oh, well, you're just going to show up one time. Yeah, see you whenever. And I, I had a conversation with a grower not long ago. It was really interesting. This customer made a very valid point. And I felt it throughout my whole sales career. He's like, he had a he had a supplier come in, never done business with him before. And ultimately he's like, hey, I'm here to sell you something. He's like, oh, that's great. Well, yeah, let's sit down. Go ahead. Let's sit down. Now, mindful, he's had like hundreds and hundreds of people come to him to buy his product whether it's grain for his cows, equipment, seed, row crop, marketers. I mean, everybody's trying to get this guy's business, right? It's a very, there's a lot of facets in the ag industry, not just equipment. So he comes in here, he's wanting this guy's business. And he looked at him and said, okay, uh, let's, let's, let's talk real quick. We've never done business together. He goes, I'm going to say that next year, there's a 50% chance that you'll be back to see me. He says, but by year three, I guarantee you I'll never see you again. So I'm not going to do business with you. And that guy left. Well, the next year, guy never showed up. But the guy never showed up in between to the, even the time of selling. And that's where you kind of start seeing that separation and that lack of of drive. But it's just interesting. That's something that I would never do. I'd always still show up. I do my best to. Sometimes I go a month or two because I started having a lot of business, but I was doing the best I could with what I had. So you get this first sales job. You're burning the midnight oil. You are, which it, it's one of those things where distance in our relationship has really been a, I never thought we would be seven years in and this still be such a factor, but it is, but it is kind of a, it's a blessing in disguise for us at least, because I think we have wielded it to be our friend when it comes to the respect of burning the midnight oil, because it's like, okay, well, we're not in the same place anyways. So I think it is less, there's less resentment when it's like, well, you're not home and I move. Like if I would have moved to Southeast Missouri, cause I was thinking about that. And it's really such a blessing that we were just like, nope, we are just going to stay. Like, I'm going to stay put. You got to go do your thing. Like we've done distance for almost a year. We had a like three month break. We can do it again, but it was, it, it allowed you to really focus on what you needed to focus on. And, you know, sometimes I, it's for what we are so like-minded and our goals and our drive, 
we can respect that of each other. That it's like, that's why we love each other. That's why we're a good pair. So it's like, you can't want to have, and this is going to be very cheesy, but I just think it's a good analogy. You can't want to have a Kentucky Derby racehorse, but me mad that you can't go on leisure rides because the racehorse is training. It's like, nope. Like when you have that kind of partner, if you love that about that kind of partner, you got to let them go do their thing. Like that's what makes them this person. So you're doing that. You absolutely blow things out of the water. You're working for a minority brand in the world of large ag. It's not one that's well known. And you are like whooping people that are should uh, should be keeping business because of, of the color paint that they are that they're selling and you get to a point i remember this vividly too we're driving down the road we pass one of these dealerships and you look at me and you say i think they're gonna call me and they're gonna offer me a job because they're tired of me whooping on them and sure enough that happens so then you this is july into the summer and we're about to get we end up getting engaged around the same time so it's like things are going good we just had renovated our first condo together it was my nana and papa's last home together and so we had renovated that we you are selling a uh green paint <laughs> and yeah, so selling john deere yeah. yep so you're selling john deere and you now are tasked with getting more market share for a company that's not around here in a kind of like the like rivalry line area. So it's like where this company and the other company meets. So they've got more competition is where you've been tasked to, to go. And once again. Yeah. The hard part with that too. So we had no brick and mortar. There's a river separating it. So you have to go across two bridges. It's an hour and a half away. It's not easily accessible had a great history a long time before the company that I chose to work for took them over, but it was because of lack of presence, lack of effort, not, not shaming anybody that was in the role before me, but it was very challenging. So no records of sales. And a mess. Rightfully so because of all the constraints that you just said. So we're living in the same place, but now you're working like the territory is like an hour ish away, but the, the, the techs, the equipment are two bridges and a state away. And so you are working through all of these new logistics. But once again, I mean, I think you love a task that they say is impossible. So, well, I thought that was, well, so when I first started, I was like, oh, okay, this is great. I'll be back in West Kentucky. And obviously everybody wants to sell you sell you ideas of like, hey, we got this great market. We have these great things. Like things are going to be, tremendous. And then you get in, you're like, oh, wow, you don't have phone numbers. You kind of have addresses. You have some history. Oh man, this is a mess. Okay. I got to cross rivers. Company policy is a lot different. So now I'm having to learn new systems. I'm having to learn new equipment. I'm having to deal with a lot of different things. So the first year I really just spent driving around, creating routes, making sure that I was at least there saying hi, relevant, supportive, trying to help find gaps. And I think the first thing I realized is, and some people take for granted where the gaps were like I, precision support. It's pretty good, but only in certain areas because you can't be everywhere at once. 
you know, things are hard to, to get to and, and people are trying to rely on others. But ultimately that first year was just kind of building that market, just getting around. So then realizing what the competition was like, cause there's, there was four salesmen in that area compared to just myself. Uh, I'm not going to steal Chad's thunder on the dream, but part of knowing how we get to this dream is real estate. So Chad and Chad is doing all this driving. Chad is listening to all these podcasts about real estate and all these things. And I'm at this point have taken transitioning into a role in mortgage. We've had this great opportunity that we're blessed with because of just, you know, like the way my family's kind of, you know, stuff shook out was this opportunity to get our feet wet renovating an an inherited property after my papa had passed away and now you were like jonesing to do it again right so so we've got two new jobs both have brand new career you know you're in the same career a huge step up in in job and in expectations i have started a new career in mortgage after my failed ag career that was a heartbreaking you know, thing to walk away from my small stint in finance. That was interesting to say the least. Yeah. And then finally got this fresh start in mortgage where I'm in your shoes. I'm, I am trying to build up my reputation as a reliable person to get a home loan from and the world shuts down. It's COVID. And so I am, I mean, we're trying to get married in October. I'm about to have a nervous breakdown about this job because every single, every single loan I got, which this is a whole podcast note of mine is to kind of dig into like how funny, well also, but how funny is it that it's like, I was helping people get home loans and I, every single minute was afraid I was going to mess something up because I really almost in a little bit of a scary sense had like no idea what I was doing. And I had great people in my corner that was checking me along the way, but still at the end of the day, it was my name on the, on the sheet. And it was my, it was my customer. It was my, it was the client experience I was providing. Every single loan just felt like it was going to be the end of the world if it went south. Cause everybody was telling me, if you will just do your job and do what you say you're supposed to do, Am I bothering you? No, keep talking about Keep, keep talking about you on my birthday podcast. Keep going. Love to hear it. Chad. You wanted me. I'm giving you me because I got to pick at you. I'm going to call you out. Okay. Keep going. I'm, You're talking about you. I'm going to. Are you speechless? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. Uh, I had to lighten it up a little. Keep going. Okay. Mm, I feel like this is going so good. It is going good. I'm not messing it up. All I'm trying to say is. It's important. This is important, though. All I'm trying to say is we're trying to both support each other. I think we're both feeling like we are like every single every single encounter with both of our jobs is so important. Like we are at least people that see how important the foundation of something is. Whatever metaphorical something, the foundation is what you're building upon. And we're both trying to build career foundations. And then you get the wild hair you're like we need to buy the condo next door so then we can renovate it right and i was like that's great 
but there's this thing called occupancy fraud. Oh, so if we're going to like, if I forgot about this part. It drove me nuts. Ugh. I love rules. Y'all don't, y'all know this by now. Chad, if you haven't figured out, not if, you if there, if there's a line, I'll walk the line, right? I get it, but there's always gray. And she's like, occupancy, you know, you just can't do it. I was like, well, we're going to find a way to do okay. it. So the way that we found the way to do it to let Rachel sleep at night was we decided we were going to get a primary residence loan and we were going to move in that we were going to flip it as quick as we could so we could get moved in and we could start renting the one that we were in for and, and manage it for my family. So we could start getting a taste of property management and we could start getting a taste. Yeah. Start growing That's right. um, because it was like, we have these real estate dreams and they're not going to wait on our careers. Like the whole thing is we're getting this W-2 money, if we're working for somebody else, we need to put it to work for ourselves. That's right. And so, well, then with real estate, so everybody's always like, oh, it always goes back to real estate. Everybody just wants to do real estate because I've noticed it's a hot topic. So my childhood, my dad had a commercial company, commercial and residential. He's a contractor. And so he used to build and flip and scale. And I mean, he did everything like Winn-Dixie's, all this stuff. So it was a huge part of my growing up. It, all we did was build homes and renovate homes and you name it. Like every time I go to see my dad, still love my dad to death, but we always are working on something. So we're going to see him that here. And love that's our love language. We just go work on stuff. So like now we're going down there in February. He's like, Hey, we need to be digging these stumps out with this new excavator. You're going to love it. We're going to dig out with this excavator just because he wants to get his stumps done. He can get some free labor. Right. So I've always joked with him. Like I'm free labor. I'm cheap and easy. So, okay. so it's a joke, but yeah. So it, so back on task, back, back in transition, right? I'm going to take over from here. Thank okay. you. I think ultimately you change my dream. My dream has never changed. I just want to note this. My dream has never changed, but the way that I'm getting there is changing because Rachel has a new job. I have a new job. There's uncertainty. You've got COVID, you got all these things. And I think ultimately everybody sits there and is like, it's too much risk, too much risk, too much risk. And no, no free time. Yeah. No, no free time. Like literally gave the amount of hours working in my W2 job versus the time that I'm making to do the renovations. Everybody looks at me like, there's no way you could do both. You're sacrificing one for the other. Never did. Still don't, but still don't. To reference and just to zoom out, like in the span of since, okay, we first, the summer that I came home, May of 20. 18, like March, April, 2018. That summer, we were at the lake every single weekend. We were driving, we were, you know, Friday, Saturday, driving in, driving out. We still had our boat. We were living it up. We were partying. We were, you know, either at the lake on the weekends or recovering from being at the lake and doing it all over. Lots of recovery. And then 29, summer of 2019 rolls around. And then that's the summer that we got engaged. And honestly, we're still having, we're playing a lot. We've got friends with um, like boats. We've got our boat. We're going and doing uh, like that seemed like a season where we had a lot of friends getting married. We finally, I mean, given us some grace, it's like, we're finally both making some money. We're together and our friend, like we're able to actually hang out. And so we're once again, but we're getting nowhere. 
we're just, and also we're both in jobs at that point in time that we don't love. And if I had to offer advice to anybody else listening to this, if you are in a job you don't love, use all that extra energy and brain space to start pursuing what you do love. It was like, we just were both really, and I don't want to speak for you, but I know I was just kind of like, eh, none of this is working out the way I thought I'm working to live. Like I'm punching in, watching the clock to five. I'm, you know, stressed about a job I don't even like because I couldn't turn off the fact that I still wanted to excel, even though I really didn't enjoy what I was doing. And so on the weekends, I was just like blowing steam. And it was really, and it was this unhealthy cycle. And not, we're done with this, but I also really wanted to be engaged. And I really wanted to push forward to that point. Like once again, everybody, and it is, it's keeping up with the Joneses. Like everybody around us is doing these things. And it is hard. But then it was like, we had this shift at the end of 2019 when we started working on our own place. And then especially, and it, COVID was probably such a blessing because some of those social options got stripped away that we really started to realize like, and you really pushed me to this. We cannot wait to do this. And you kept, you, our age difference has been a blessing too, because you have already been at that point. You're like, I'm 30. I'm ready to get to this, you know? Yeah. And I'm, and I'm tired of doing the same old, same old, going to the lake, partying, wasting time, not saying you can't go and have fun. We still do. We, we still do today. It's just more incremental fun. I want to get to my, this is the whole point. I got really sidetracked there, but all I was going to say is probably since 2020, I bet I can count on two hands how many times we've been to the lake. That's yeah, all, I, absolutely. Like, yeah. We, we, we say. pretty much cut that down. We were there every weekend to stripping that back and maybe twice a year. Yeah. And I, you know, I think some of the hard part is like too, from a friend's perspective, like it's hard to keep up with, with friends and doing things too. So we're putting all this time and energy into our W2. We're putting all this time and energy into building the real estate portfolio to try to get to where we want to be. So it's kind of like we're sacrificing some things now to get to where we want to be later. Not that we didn't make time. We were still making time. It just wasn't as consistent. It wasn't every weekend or every other weekend. It was like, we go out once a month. We still try to make time for ourselves to go on vacation. It's a balance. It was a balance. But I think it really stripped away and it showed us like we, if we have any spare time, we want it to be quality time spent doing whatever we're doing. So it's like, and this is not the right fit for everybody, but I do think that it really speaks to is for young people trying to strengthen a marriage of like, are you like, how much time are you spending with a group of friends compared to like really having the quality time with your spouse. Because I know like you are my best friend and I would take, if I had to pick, like I'm picking, you know, half a day with just you than half a day with eight other people, even though they're people that like we love dearly because it is my priority. And I think that you realize too, quality friendships can be nurtured. Just like I've talked about on this podcast, there are so many quality friendships that 
are nurtured through the power of like, thankfully, technology that we have today, instead of saying, okay, let's go spend a whole, like, neither of us have a whole day to spend together. So if we don't have a whole, like, you know, because other people have their lives going on, it's not just like, you know, this is, we're talking about us because we can only speak to us, but, and that goes back to the 25-ish time frame. I think really speaking to like 25 to 30, you're seeing your life and your friend's life are all evolving. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, all of us actually have other stuff like we're prioritizing that we need and we're all not just like getting together to just him haul around for a full day because we have nothing else to do this weekend. And so it is hard to navigate. And I think when you at least have each other to lean on, because like we had hard times where I was looking at him being like, we just like, I don't feel like we have friends anymore. And it wasn't that that was not probably true, but it's just like, it once once again, I guess I the reason why I want it how you get there, I want how you get there to be a space where we pull back the curtain, we talk about like the technical hard truths of it. And the reality is, like you said, the only way you're spinning those plates is like one plate has got to drop. And for us Well, and I think that that's the whole point of this. Everybody's is gonna be different. For some people, the social part's still gonna stay and they're still gonna have great success with it. But like for us, and where we're heading and the goals that we had and the dreams that we had and, and the the choices that we are making, it's not that we don't want to have friends because we do still have friends and we do still go out to dinner. I think our that we have, though, are better because we became so much more intentional about, like, sure. if we have time with these people, we're going to make the most of it. Like, back to... It's, I- a, it's impactful. It's not just existing and sitting there drinking, drinking beer, beer and just kind of looking around being yeah. like, well... I'm kind of bored. You got something to blow something up. Okay, let's go blow this shit up. And then, <laughs> you know, that, cause that was reality, right? At one point. And I think that was the whole, I think that was oh the gist. Gosh, so true. I, it, it was true. Like all the stuff we get in trouble doing, I think it was just because it was like, well, this just sounds fun at the moment. There's no impact or gain from it. Right. And I don't think everything should be a game. That's not, that's, that's not healthy either. But the game can be as much of like, just, I, I, I guess I want to kind of, argue that a little bit of like I do want to see gain everywhere whether it's like relational intentionality introspective like I want to do everything with purpose like I want to hang out well yeah you you should well you should have purpose but so I guess that's just what I meant yeah well I meant for financial gain I think there's I think there's other things that you that people don't value I think that's it like you're you're going to do what you do for value so like the things that we value is what we bring out amongst ourselves and our friends and everything else. That's why we're more intentional with what we do. And I've people know I'm always, I'm not the best to answer the phone, right? I'm not like my personal phone friends. Sorry. I'm bad about that. But like, when you look at where I've prioritized my time in my career, I think that's where I'm still growing today. So like fast forwarding to through this journey, right? So we, we move in this condo, we renovate the one we're renting the other. We're doing all these things another roadblock gets put in place. So there was some restructuring. Now I'm not really able to sell in West Kentucky. So all the time and energy I put into these two and a half years of building this market, which I was very successful at and competed against people with and was supporting customers and doing the best that I could, I kind of got dealt a bad hand. And I'm not blaming one one person or one thing or anything. It just is what it is. It was just bad, right? So bad for you. Very bad for not me. Intentionally made. It no. Was just 
hard, hard on customers, hard on customers too. I mean, there was a lot of impact there, right? So it, huge impact, huge setback. So now I'm, I'm feeling back. So the natural reaction was to go back to how I felt when I started, when I had my master's and I felt hopeless, like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? So I was, I was dabbling in foliar fertilizers and having some success there with some of the things going, but it's like, do I really want to do that? I don't even know what I want to do anymore. Like I just, maybe I want to get out of the equipment business. I think it's, I, I, I just think I'm done with this journey. I think I need to go do something else. And so in doing that, I started reflecting. I was like, you know what? It's been different competing against people. It's been different doing these things. And I told my wife the one day, I was like, I'm going to call somebody who's in charge of everybody that I was competing against. And I'm going to talk to this guy. I'm going to vet all this emotion out of myself because I'm kind of pissed off. So long story short, uh, where I am today, the company that I work for today, I, I went through some conversations, went through some talking. Basically, I wasn't very interested in being in the equipment business at all necessarily. I'm saying that politely because I don't want to paint a bad picture because there was no bad intentions or ill will there. It was just where I was in myself. It's just burned out. It's just like, this is just, was just a waste, but ultimately uh, was awarded an opportunity to be, be over everybody that I competed against, which in retrospect, you know, I was like, well, okay, that's different. Didn't expect that. But I was like, well, I wonder how I can provide value. And so, you know, getting put into that role, I think was impactful for me because it really showed me the coaching part, the helping part, the could care less that we were competitors. That's just nature of the beast, right? Like if you're on my team, you're on my team. If you're not on my team, like I'm going to create all these false fallacies to burn you down. Like that's oh what I do. Gosh. That's what I do. I talk like you could be the nicest person in the world, but in my mind, like that dude just talk crap to me. I got to win. I got to beat him. Like, that's just me. That That is my mindset. So just to clarify, it's not that you're doing it like you're spreading these false fallacies. It's like you're saying you make this internal monologue of like this, like, and that's what motivates you. A hundred percent. Just like when I was competing against that same team, I was sitting there like, what did he say to me? He didn't say anything to me, but what did he say? I want to create that. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm going to make him pay for that. Did you learn that somewhere? No, just just motivated me. Okay. I didn't know if like that was in a, cause you listen to a lot of these like motivation. Well, like, so now because Jocko wasn't big then Goggins wasn't big then some of these other podcasts, which, well, I know you don't it, shout out to them, but big thing is listening to their mindset. And I think that comes back to how the military is like you create, you create this picture in your brain that motivates you but you have to have the discipline ultimately. It's not really because I'm not a big believer in motivation It's temporary. And they would say the same thing. And I'm not, I'm not saying I, I align a hundred percent with them, but I do in a lot of things. It's just easy to relate because of my life experience. And I think that's why everybody's unique because life experiences shape you. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, I do that a lot. I still do it in my role today. I'm like, what that dude say that? What, what was that? They're going to be to who? And ain't going to be me. You better pack a lunch. That shit ain't going to happen. And that's what I do. And that's what I do to myself too. Like if I feel like I'm letting myself down in an area of my life, I challenge myself. Like who's this weak piece of shit in the mirror? And then I grind it. I got to quit now. I'm not even over 10. I'm not even over 10. It makes her uncomfortable. This is the opposites that attract, right? So, but for real, I look at myself in the mirror sometimes and I say that, I say that it's important to note this because I think that's what's kept me motivated. But not only that, 
I have the, I have this vision or this dream that I'm chasing, but ultimately it's changed. Right. So it's like, I have to do these things to see success. I have to do these things to get money. I have to do these things because I, I want to get there and it started, it changed. It's evolving. So it was started with customers and then it started with my, it started with myself. Then it evolved to customers. Now, now it evolves to a team, a team that's not necessarily grateful to have me at first. Right. They're not, cause they don't know me. They haven't really worked with me. And now we're tight as ever. I would do anything for those guys. Even if I had to go somewhere else, I would do anything for those guys. Those guys are awesome. So working with them to try to build them up, had great success with it. So then another opportunity comes to show success, right? So I think with that, people above me saw my potential, but ultimately gave me the opportunity because they saw that I was doing the right things, right? It's, mm -hmm. And I think that's what it comes down to. If you're doing the right things and you're not focusing on yourself, you're focusing on others, mm -hmm. I think that comes to you. And I think that was my struggle. I, I think that was my... That's right. I think that was my struggle. You focus on behaviors, but behaviors drive results. Behaviors drive results. And what too many people like to focus on, they like to focus on results, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, let's say we come out with a, a new budget. It's like, hey, this, I know these are high expectations. Don't get nervous. I don't give a shit about your budget. I care about the behaviors. Mm -hmm. That number will be there if we're doing the right things, if we're taking care of people, if we're growing people, if we're coaching people. And that's what's got me to where I'm at. I feel like, because within this company, obviously now I'm over sales again. Well, in a new capacity, I was never over sales at a vice president level, but went up to Michigan with acquisitions and culture building. So then again, my mentality shifts again mm -hmm. of better improving myself. So it's really easy to focus on the things you can't control, but you should always focus on the things you can't control because you can be overwhelmed very easily in life. And I think, the one thing I've always done was worry about others and bringing people with me. And I think that's a great thing, but I also think there's a balance in it too. And so where I'm at today, I'm realizing that balance. So now I'm kind of coming back to a general area of not wanting to experience what I did when I was 18 to 25, mm -hmm. thinking about Chad, what's best for Chad. I, I don't ever want to get back to that, but I think now I'm back to a healthy reality of I've got to fill my own cup some too, and I've done a very bad job of that because I've letting the things that I've done in the past get me to where I'm at, but now I've got to evolve and change. And I think that's the most important part. You constantly have to pivot and reassess what's coming your way based on what your reality is. Because all of a sudden I come in, I'm like, I've got to win. I've got to do this. I've got to get these things right. That mentality comes back. Well, in order to do that, you've got to bring others with you. And I think you should 100% bring people with you, but that's really, really hard to your your personal psyche. So then I started sacrificing fitness. I started sacrificing health. I started sacrificing time. And so now I'm kind of replenishing that back of, okay, I need to better manage my time in my day. Because like you said, W2 job, working on real estate, building a portfolio. We were all in, right? All in. And I never lost sight of that. We're still all in today with what we're doing. But to get to where I'm at today, I've realized that now I also got to feed myself. And what's most important is you can only bring your best self if you put something into it. it and I'm a firm believer in that because I started kind of changing. My, my mentality started shifting <laughs> as I've gone through working through culture realignment and multiple dealership acquisitions, coaching and building a team. Like there's a lot of days if you're not filling your cup, you'll bring your worst self to the to the table and when you're at a level 
that I'm at, not saying that I'm at an epitome level or higher than anybody, but when people are actually looking toward your direction and you have, you're not fulfilling your personal self and you're bringing that negativity, you'll start seeing it because now all people are feeding you is that, Hey, you know what? You were right, man. This, this is bullshit. This sucks, blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. And it's like, Whoa, hold up. I've got to change that. Especially as a leader, not saying that that was a real thing, but I could see how easy when people are looking toward you and looking to drive there or people look toward your direction, especially in a higher position, you had to be very cognizant of what you do. And I think that that's important to know mm-hmm. where I've gotten and how I've changed. Cause I think that I'm in a different mindset now than what I was two years ago to three years ago to four years ago, but how I built mm-hmm. to where I'm at. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She ain't got nothing to say, so I'm going to keep going on my soapbox. So as I was saying, as I says, right? I really appreciate all of that. should have just mic dropped that. I should, I should have. I re- appreciate all of that. But I guess back to, I guess, some technicalities. And I guess it doesn't matter. But it's like since you just told you the last kind of milestone you shared was that you took the management role at the company that you were competing against. But then since then, you were in that role for like nine months, had extreme success to the point where you got an opportunity to make a bigger impact and work on some acquisitions out of state in Michigan. And that is where once again, distance came back into our life because the, the hope was that this wouldn't be a long-term landing spot for for us so we made the choice to say okay we're going to commute and we'll figure it out and so you do that in june of 22 22. june 22 june of 22 and then funny enough in september (laughs) i got presented a really good opportunity to make a change for my mortgage career and I joined a private mortgage company and left the big bank world to be able to just, you know, for a plethora plethora of reasons that was better for me, better for my clients, better overall. And, you know, had more change in that, that like moved me financially. I was like previously off of a, a base pay with a commission structure. Then I went straight to just commission only, which was a huge, you know, it was a huge jump for me. And it was, uh, you know, it had its own sets of challenges and, and fears. But then through this too, we sold our condo thinking we didn't need to be doing that while didn't need it didn't need to do property management and, and have that while you were gone. <laughs> and then it was like, what? Two months, two months, we start getting the itch again to go to do something. We moved your mom out too. Oh yeah. Got your mom to move out of the house. Got another condo in the same building for her. Then we turn around and get a triplex. I mean, yeah. So then we found a threeplex, purchased it. And then, I mean, it was literally probably 30 days later that I had my job changed too, which is I am driving the bus on the property management, being the one boots on the ground. And 
Chad is really pushing me out of my comfort zone um, and is saying, you know, you can do this. You can handle more. You need to suffer. You need to suffer. You need to take on things that make you uncomfortable because it will make you grow. And I think that a little bit of selfishness in that and saying that, that that's the way I grew. And I feel like there's a, that's works for a lot of people. I'm not saying that it doesn't because everybody's got problems. Like that's real. But for me, like the, the suffering part of my life, like help get me to where I'm at and realize, okay, those are things I don't ever want to relive or do again. Those are things that I don't ever want to go back to. And so that suffering, just that, that sense of uncomfort just makes you keep evolving and changing and evolving and changing. And that's why I'm saying like my whole career has been like that. The unknown. And I love, I thrive in not just routine and structure, structure. not just routine and structure, but in familiar, familiarity, familiarity. I like words. <laughs> <laughs> You're so mean. Now I strive in that and having the familiarity yes. of the, one of the hardest parts for me, even though I believe the whole time, like making move, um, from company to company for me was the right call. I was so ready to just feel like I knew what was going on again. And it was like, especially in mortgage, like I kept trying to tell myself that I'm just like, if I can get through these first nine months, just I'll, I'll feel like I know more that like that layer will be gone. Like it will be okay. And I mean, I, we were just kind of, and this is just where I think it is so hard to balance wanting the reprieve of finally hitting a stride and finally feeling like we're figuring stuff out. And then you do, you sacrifice that because the right opportunity comes along. And I mean, that's just been the, this, this has been the rinse and repeat story of, of our growth personally, because it was that, then it was like, okay, so not only do you have a new job and your commission only, but also you've got a threeplex to manage all of a sudden you've, you know, I'd never managed more than one renter. We inherited some renters. So it was people we didn't know from Adam. I'd never, we'd never run into people we didn't know. I was having to figure all this stuff out. One of them was empty. It was a crap hole that we had to renovate. So I'm trying to manage a project that we're having to some sub some stuff out. We're working on it when Chad comes home. So, I mean, we're working probably until midnight on the nights that Chad's home. We live 30 minutes out of town. We're going back and forth. It was not fun, but because we did that and then we had an opportunity to purchase a duplex. So now we've got a duplex as well. We finally are sitting and it's, you know, 10 years later. In a way different place. In a very different place. And you, I think we are living out portions of the dream that you envisioned and now that we know more of what we're doing back to me, at least for me, there's comfort and familiarity of like, okay, this property management, owning investments, <laughs> risk. One of my old bosses told me, you know, people ask like, how did I get here? And one of the things I told him is like, you can't be afraid of debt. And back to like the, you know, we're going to have generalizations that like, you could probably, you can argue there's an exception to every rule, but I mean, by and large, 
That's really true. And that did stick with me because I mean, I kept like, there is at least for us, when you don't come from this great generational wealth, which both of our families, we have hardworking um, parents and we've seen like success. Like I remember, and even seeing like my dad has had duplexes and it became the biggest, one of the biggest blessings in our stories when he had the opportunity to own the family farm. And he, I mean, he credits that that time and being able to and having that duplex did that, you know, or made that easier. Yeah, it, well, it's all the work that was behind the scenes that he put forth to get to his vision. And it just happened to align and work out. Cause I think you can't ever discredit hard work. And I think that too many people get comfortable and it's because comfortable is easy. It comfortable is easy. So it's like, okay, I don't want that risk chat. I don't want to do this or this is too risky. It's too, and I, and I've had that conversation with myself inside, but it's like, okay, I got to wake up today. I've got to drive eight and a half hours to Michigan. Is that not risky? Most people are going to say, oh, yeah, no, that's not risky. We drive every day. That's a big risk. I could be driving and all of a sudden somebody blacks out unconscious, hits my car, flips me over, and I'm done, right? The life is done. My journey's written. And I know she doesn't like hearing that. And I'm not trying to say that's that's inevitable. But I think about that a lot about like law of averages, the time you spend on the road. Yeah there could be something that bad and it and it i think that speaks to there are like micro fears like that's a very specific worry or just the worry of like okay what if this doesn't rent what if we like lose our job what if we can't pay this mortgage or whatever but it's just like well there's no reward without risk and like for what we are trying to build debt comes along with that. That's just what I was getting at is like, you know, that has to be a part of our story. And I mean, that's where, and I think me being in the profession that I'm at, you know, I've said this before on, on how you get there, but I think debt is one of those things that it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. And it's a tool that can quickly be, be turned into a self, a, a weapon that's in, is, is, inflicts wounds on yourself or it can be a tool that you wield to make you better but it is it's you're playing with fire a little bit if you don't know how to handle it but because you and you encouraged me you know you read rich dad poor dad you said you need to read this book and i and i read it and it really opened it that is a you know for anybody trying to get into real estate it really makes uh, it i think that's the start I think that's just to shift your mentality of like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, do you understand that money can work for you? Because everybody's such a consumer. And so I feel like that changes your mindset a little. And I think that was impactful, but like back to the thing, okay, I, I can lose my job any day. And everybody's like, Oh my God, that'd be terrible. It'd be awful. I, I'm going to move on. I've done it before. I can do it again. I mean, if you're that type of person, you've never lost your job your whole life. Kudos to you, but that's real. I've had it stripped from me before and it's led me down a new path, a new journey, new opportunity. And I'm thankful for that because people recognize my value, but I've got to bring my best self forth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important. You just need to bring your best self forth. Mm -hmm. You need to have hard work. You just need to keep trying. And it's, it's worked for me. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm by no means perfect whatsoever. Most people would be like, well, of course you're not. Chad's like, well, yeah, no, I'm not, but I try really hard. I try hard to to bring my best self. I try hard to to relate. And I think that's where I'm starting to get this new sense of enjoyment in my life to getting to my dream is how many people can I impact and bring with me on my journey? And I can't bring everybody, but who can I at least plant seeds with 
to help better their life and better them and empower them to make their own decisions to go do it. Because yeah. I think a lot of it's just comfort. Mm-hmm. It, that's what it is. It's easy. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? If I just go home and I kick it here at the house, I got my dog. And for some people, that's great. For some people, they love that. For me, I don't like that. I don't want that. I, I, I like being uncomfortable. Uncomfortable makes me feel like I've got new challenges in my way. And I like challenges. I want that in my life. Now in our relationship, personally, I don't want that. I don't want to, I don't, I want us to be comfortable. I want us to be happy. Do we find uncomfortable topics? For sure we do. That's easy, right? It's like me picking at her. That's what I was picking at her. It's like, oh, let's talk about you today on my day. It's almost my birthday month. See, I get a month. I don't just get a day. So to wrap us up, I guess, you know, 10 years later, it's 10 years of work and it still feels like, and are you going to, are you going to speak to what you want? Are you going to speak it out? The vision? Mm-hmm. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> something, something I was always told, you don't talk about your personal life. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about your next move. And I don't want people knowing my vision. Not yet. Your next move. My next move or my vision. Yeah. Or my vision. Not next move. No, I'm not changing my career yet. No, I'm not leaving where I'm at. But just my next steps into getting to where I'm at. I think it's still changing. Mm. I think my where I want to end up is is there. But I think the way I want to get there is changing. It's not that I don't want to share it because it's some secret sauce. Because there's, no, there's definitely nothing secret about me. But definitely something that I want to get to at some point. Fair enough. Because I already know there's going to need to be a part two with her. It's coming. She's not going to leave me off the hook. Well, you officially are on the hook for this one. I'm really grateful you sat down with me. And I am glad that this second version is really different than the first one that we recorded. I was less than 10 cuss words. You're welcome. Was I a better listener this time? You said I cut you off last time. Yes. Well, and I have some stuff that you are going to have to come back for part two on because It's stuff that I want to talk about, you know, really with just you. But I want to wrap us up on a little bit of a lighter note. So a self-care tip that Chad and I want to give you. It's, you know what it's going to be. Is if you have never gone and taken a vacation, if if you're very invested in your work like we are, it can be easy to let, like I say, you know, I have to tell myself all the time, like, Work is not the Lord of my life. Like the Lord is the Lord of my life. Like I have to, and sometimes I have to speak that into, into like what I'm wanting in that day, how much energy it gets, how much stress it gets. But one of the ways that we have learned is a cure for actually getting unplugged time. It's like going to some place that unplugs for you. So that can be, I think anybody is probably relatively close to nature that you don't get any service. And sometimes you have to let the power just be totally stripped from your hand and invest this year and trying to take a vacation, whether it's 24 hours or a week, you know, whatever amount, half a day, even go somewhere that you can go do something, bring a book, fish hike and it has to be more it has to be more than three days because it will take you three days to get everything that is on your mind out of your mind it's gotta be more than three days i that's really where the life change really happens because we went on our 10-day trip to montana 
both of us with talking with each other for the, really talking while we're driving, you know, and I think I talked about this on my episode with Macy. I know. And this was going to say earlier, you've been saying some things and I love it because we're totally opposite, but you are literally saying things that I've already said on how you get there. And I know that you don't even know that because you have not listened to my- I, haven't listened, I haven't listened to one podcast, by the way. So this is not a, uh, this is not me driving, and I don't even plan to listen to my own podcast. So if you want to write negative comments toward me, throw them. Don't even care. Don't give a. F- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh, Joel! Seriously, cut that out. Seriously, no. Sorry. Ah. <laughs> uh, you warned him. No, I just it does. I know. I just want you without the f word. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was making such a good point. Okay. All I was going to say is we were on this trip. And if you're really looking for a way to like really reevaluate your life, like if you're, if there's something itching inside of you that like you feel like you have some self-searching to do, you cannot do it with technology. And I agree with Chad. It will take days for you to finally be stripped of all of that. And like, I don't think I had no idea how task oriented my brain had become until I had to sit there for like hiking, driving in silence. Like we didn't even have enough service to have a radio. So it was like we were either talking or we were thinking. And it really, I mean, I credit that trip for us being here and me actually having how you get there because it is really what it's like. Everything was stripped away and it was just, it was life-changing. It is life-changing and you need more than three days. You have to, and you have to get all that out and then not have cell reception and be obligated to just sit there and wake up and like watch a sunrise and drink coffee and quiet and then have like intentional conversations. But don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And if this year, all you can do is less than three days, at least give yourself that. But stretch goal over three days. Okay. On that note, thanks for watching how you get there. Happy birthday. I love you. Love you too. Thank you for joining me this week. I hope this episode met you where you were at and it's given you your own clarity on steps forward for how you get there. Wherever and whatever that is, it is important and your dreams matter. I would love to hear what you think of this episode and how you get there. You can connect with me personally via email at howyougetthere at gmail.com Or you can find me at Rach Ross Denson on Instagram, TikTok, and all other social media platforms. If you love how you get there, I have a favor to ask. Will you share this episode with a friend and take a few seconds to follow, rate, and review how you get there wherever you listen to your podcast? Please know you are playing a part in making my dream come to life. And for that, I am so grateful. Don't forget, if where you want to go in the future involves a home loan, I would love to help you. Find me on Instagram at Rachel Denson underscore MLO to learn all about mortgages from my videos or use the link in the bio to schedule a one-on-one consultation with me. I hope to see you back here next week where we'll keep talking all about how you get there.